Hey, Remar nurses, we got a very special episode of how to pass NCLEX tap in right now. I've never done this as a full how to pass NCLEX episode, but we're going to be talking about infection prevention and control. And if you are studying for your NCLEX exam, you know how huge infection, safety, prevention, control, how important that is as a subject. Hey, if it's your first time joining us here on a Monday, my name is Regina Callion, and I am the number one NCLEX instructor on this planet, hands down, period. I got not only this important class, but I have some announcements about my Next Generation Live reviews. So many of you have been signing up uh, for them, and I just want to give you a few updates. So the live locations that I have, especially the one in Los Angeles, it is almost filled. I'm asking only the people who are attending live to sign up for that class. Um, so because we have just a number of spaces, if you can't make it to the class, don't sign up for it. All right, it won't be streamed at all. So this will be only for those people in Los Angeles or surrounding areas. The same thing with my Honolulu class. Um, if you're on the island and you can attend, sign up for it. If not, don't take that space from another student. All right. If you go to the website to sign up, guys, you can go to remarnurse.com forward slash live and you can see um, what cities I may be in. Also, if you don't see your city, if you scroll down and you don't see your city as a city to vote for, uh, you can put it in too, okay? You can put it in too. But the next generation uh, NCLEX reviews that I am doing are coming. They are coming and I wanna know where so another thing too is if you invite an instructor to a live next generation NCLEX review, I may be able to come to your school. So if you would like to see me in your school doing a next generation NCLEX review, go to the website. That is where everything is going to be. Remarnurse.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E. But again, the seating is so limited um, that we're just asking that if you don't intend to actually come or you thought it was online, don't take that seat up from a student who can come. All right. Yes, 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 yes. It's Monday. We're talking about infection prevention and control. So I'm going to hop right into it and then we can come back and talk about the live NCLEX reviews, uh, any questions that you have about next generation NCLEX, things like that. So we're going to dive into it. Infection prevention and control. These are ideas that are not only um, evidence-based, but they're practical and they are for keeping and preventing our patients from having health complications. This is also important for the healthcare workers who can also be harmed by preventable, avoidable infections. And so when we talk about infection prevention and control, it's unique in that it is going to really affect the quality of care if we don't do these simple things. So it is universally relevant to anybody who will be receiving care in a healthcare facility or anybody who will be working in a healthcare facility. And so I have here as the second point, infection prevention and control affects all aspects of healthcare, including hand hygiene, 
surgical site infections, injection safety, antimicrobial resistance, and also how healthcare facilities operate during and outside emergencies. And so I talk about um, disaster management. I talk about safety and infection control inside of your virtual trainer. So make sure you, you check it out. And for those of you who've been following with me, we just have two days left before the coupon code invest expires. All right. So if you were wanting to get your virtual trainer this week, you can use the coupon code invest for the entire package. You'll get 20% off of that at remarnurse.com. I wanted to remind you guys that invest is the current coupon code. So we're talking about the universal implications of infection prevention and how we must do all these things if we are going to deliver excellent health care. And the reason why this is on the NCLEX exam is because we use research to know what to put on the NCLEX exam. So the statistics right now are one in every 10 clients in a healthcare setting will get an infection. Also, when we're talking about developing countries, all right, 50 to 70% of injections given in developing countries are not safe. Okay, that means that there is a breakdown in our, um, our goals of keeping infections out of the healthcare environment. And then also as well, up to 32% of surgical clients get a post-operative infection. And this is a current, this is a current research, guys. So we won't be, uh, we won't be ever missing this topic on NCLEX. You can be sure you will see something of this information. And so you as a nurse have to know how in infections are spread. And so an infection is, occurs, it is spread when germs enter the body and they increase in number and cause a reaction of the body. Tag a nursing student right now because it's Monday morning and they may not have learned this in class. They may have forgotten it, but it is very important to your nursing study group. So go ahead, tag, share this video. We're talking about how infections are spread. And even, you know what I find? I find that my non-nursing friends, like my family members, church members, community members, when we talk about infections, especially during, you know, um, things where we have COVID and monkeypox and people are talking about germs, people like to know how infections are spread. People like to know about how to prevent diseases and illnesses. And so how relevant is this topic right now to those of us who are trying to reestablish life after the pandemic, even still, like even still. And so I'm going to talk about the different types of infections and, and how diseases are transmitted. So an infection occurs when germs enter the body, increase in number and cause a reaction of the body. And so the three things that are necessary for an infection to occur, okay, and if you remove one of these three things, that infection won't be able to occur. So let's look at the three things. Number one is the source. 
the place where the infectious agent is going to live. So it could be sinks, it could be surfaces. You guys know the surfaces of beds, bedpans, right? Or infections, um, viruses, bacteria can actually live on your skin. And so if you are a nurse and you've worked in the hospital for any length of time or you're a nursing student and you have repeatedly done clinicals in a hospital where many people come into, you more than likely have staff on your skin. You more than likely have staff on your skin, up your nose, all over your body. And you carry it around because you've picked it up and you've, you've gotten it. But what happens in healthy individuals is that our body suppresses the overgrowth of the bacteria. And so it doesn't make us sick, but it still resides on us. And so not only are we protecting patients from other patients, but we have to protect patients from ourselves because we as nurses, how many patients do we see a year? How many germs do we come in contact with? So many. So when we talk about um, infection and infection control, these key elements have to always be addressed. So the source of the infection. Also, there needs to be a susceptible person. And that is a person that essentially the germs can overtake or enter in. And so a susceptible person can be anyone Okay, and then transmission away for the germs, uh, a way that they are moving, a way that they're moving around. So the first transmission base, we're talking about how germs move from one place to another, a vector to vector, contact transmission, huge, huge. So many diseases are through contact transmission. And so transmission-based precautions must be started as soon as you realize a person has symptoms, particularly in the healthcare setting. This is something that you guys have to know for your NCLEX exam. If a person has symptoms of a virus or disease, you need to isolate them immediately. You don't have to wait for test results to come back. Because how long can test results, how long can test results take sometimes, right? And so if you're in a healthcare setting and your patient all of a sudden starts having unexplained diarrhea, are we gonna put another patient in that room? Ah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, all right? So when we talk about contact transmission, contact transmission is the spread of an infectious agent caused by the physical contact of a susceptible host with people or catch this or objects. So not only do we have to make sure that the person is protected, but we also need to be cleaning the objects that people touch. And so there's two routes of transmission. There's direct transmission or indirect. And so direct contract contact transmission involves both a direct body surface to body surface contact, okay? So that means that the, the, the transmission of the microorganism is between person to person, okay? Whereas indirect is just what the name says. 
Indirect involves contact where you have a host that is carrying the disease, the host, with a contaminated object, okay? And so that object is going to transfer that disease onto the next person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Um, Examples of contact transmission diseases, these include many of the GI issues, the gastrointestinal issues that patients have. So for example, um, C. difficile. Really any bacteria that causes you to have diarrhea, (laughs) all right, is gonna more than likely be uh, contact. So you have your staph, E. coli, C. difficile, and even Ebola, okay, even Ebola. Those are all contact transmission diseases. So if you are as a nurse, you not only want to know this, but you need to be able to teach it to your patient, okay? Now, let's move from contact to droplet. When we talk about droplet, droplet transmission is when an infection is spread by the dissemination of droplets. And so that makes sense. So where do droplets come from? You need to be thinking in your mind. Um, They come from the infected person coughing, sneezing, and talking. Coughing, sneezing, and talking. That is where your um, infection is going to come from. And so these microorganisms are usually, we talk about coughing, sneezing, and talking. These are usually going to be um, spread air and they're going to get into another person through the what? What is going to be the main entry? What is going to be the main entry to that new susceptible person? So for example, if... um, if your patient has a, if they have an influenza and they sneeze in the air, we know those droplets are going to be infected. And so if a person walks through that sneeze, how is that influenza virus going to get into that person? It's going to come in through the what? It's going to come in through the mouth. It's going to come in through the the con- um, conjunctive, um, conjunctive, <laughs> why can't I say it? The conjunctiva sacs of the eyes, right? Down in here. It's going to come in through the nose, down into the throat, all right? And so these are going to be, yes, the eyes, the mouth, the nose. Is something else I'm missing? These are going to be the main source of entry through the, through the, through the virus, Okay. Now, examples of the droplet transmission that I need you to know are going to be influenza, like I said, whatever else I have here, uh, meningitis, rubella, pertussis, okay? And in your virtual trainer workbook, we do go over a whole entire list of things for um, when we talk about isolation. Some more that I want you to know, um, epiglottitis. And this is on page 144 if you're taking the PN in Clex Review. So um, 
the ones I told you, and then also epiglottitis, rubella, whooping cough is pertussis. All right, meningitis. All right, so going back to the slides here, droplet transmission. Got to cover up our patient, their mouth. They should definitely, you as the nurse should have on your mask when you're dealing with this patient, okay? Eye goggles, because the person is sneezing or talking, those things can get into your eyes. All right, now airborne transmission. We talk about airborne transmission. This is extremely serious. So this is where that spread of the infectious agent is going to be caused by um, a, a droplet nuclei that can hang or suspend in the air over longer distances and over a longer time. So we're talking about tuberculosis. We're talking about varicella zoster, the rubiola virus. And know the difference between German measles and rubiola, all right? Different, different precautions. And so airborne transmission, we can break it down into um, subcategories to obligate um, and then preferential. And so when I talk about obligate transmission, this refers to uh, pathogens that are transmitted by only the deposition of droplet under natural conditions, okay? Where preferential airborne transmission, these are pathogens that can initiate infection by many different routes, all right? Many different routes, but normally it's droplet. You don't have to pretty much know those distinct details, but you do have to know the major diseases that are going to be classified under airborne transmission. Okay, so I will make sure that you guys are studying that information. Standard precautions are the ones that everybody should be using. And these are what you use no matter who a patient is, what a patient has. And so airborne precautions are used to protect both the healthcare workers and the patients. All right. Hi, everybody. Come on in. We're deep into our studying session today talking about infection prevention and control. And so by reducing the risk of transmission of microorganisms, we're talking about standard precautions, they reduce the risk of microorganisms that are both recognized and unrecognized. And so that means that this is like the bare minimum of infection prevention and control. And when I say it's the bare minimum, it is because that all healthcare workers, okay, during the care of all patients at all times in all settings, okay, should be, should be using standard precautions should be using standard precautions. And so um, I see somebody here ask me, I got my RN book. In PN, you're gonna find this on page 144. In the RN, you're gonna find this starting um, on page 148. All right, so the RN book starts on page 148. And this again, we're talking about contact droplet, airborne, and standard. You got to know this stuff. It has to be memorized. And so standard precautions, there are many different, uh, many different elements of standard precautions 
They include number one, risk assessment. So we have to train healthcare workers and our nurses aides who are working with us to recognize all blood and body fluids, okay? Any kind of blood and body fluids as um, needing to be protected from, okay? And this also includes contaminated surfaces too, contaminated surfaces, personal protective equipment. When we talk about standard precautions, we know that you're gonna wear your gloves if you come in contact with blood or body fluids, hand hygiene, alcohol-based hand rub, and also hand washing facilities are gonna be important. If you're washing your hands, you have to have clean running water, okay? Um, if, for instance, you get a scenario on NCLEX and they say that um, you're in the field and you have a bucket of clean water and a bucket of dirty water, is it appropriate to wash your hands in the clean water and, um, and then dip your hands in the dirty water after? That's always going to be a no, negative. <laughs> it's just a no, okay? Uh, and yes, we will be doing practice questions on all of this stuff that we just covered. So just hang with me. We just have a few more slides to review. All right, so clean running water, um, and you have to use soap and single-use paper towels. That is going to be um, a part of, that is going to be a part of this hand washing, hand hygiene, okay? Um, respiratory hygiene and cough etiquette. This is simply teaching our patients that if they need to cough, that they should be coughing in a tissue or a mask, all right? In not using their hands. All right. Waste management is pretty much as you would think where we're going to be removing uh, soiled mater materials, bedding, uh, towels, and replacing them with proper clean in, uh, environmental material. Janitors typically handle this, but we as nurses know we definitely absolutely are doing this as well. <laughs> All right, injection safety. There are some practices that ensure that a nurse properly and safely injects a patient. I can't go into all of those right now. I'm, I'm trusting that when you guys are learning your initial clinical skills, you are covering the injection safety points. If not, in our um, quick facts for NCLEX, in the clinical skills section, I go over many clinical skills back here and um, administering um, injections is one of them. Removing medication from an ampule is one of them. Administering an intermuscular injection. This is in quick facts for NCLEX, the clinical skills. And I go over the infection and safety points, okay? All right, so... I'm covering you guys, but you do have to do the studying. You do have to get the materials so that you can um, ascertain the information, okay? Because the information is there, but you have to take it in. All right, I am going to just go over quickly the, um, the times when you are supposed to wash your hands. There are five moments for hand hygiene. 
according to the World Health Organization. And this is a very great review for us. So number one, we are always washing our hands before we touch a patient, before we do a clean or aseptic procedure, after we have fluid exposure, even if you're wearing gloves, even if you're wearing gloves, you still wash your hands after you're wearing gloves. Okay. Um, after touching a patient and after touching patient surroundings. So let us get into our NCLEX questions right now. Here is the first one. I want to see how you guys do. All right. So First question is this, question one, which action of a nurse is correct when setting up a sterile field during a dressing change? Number one, holds an open sterile package six inches above the field to drop the item into the sterile field. Two, uses alcohol to cleanse the irrigating solution bottle. Three, opens the sterile field unattended while obtaining the sterile gloves. Four, don sterile glove before opening the sterile package. Oh, this one is so easy. I want everybody to get it right. There is definitely one that is the correct action for handling a sterile feel. All the other ones are incorrect. All of the other ones are absolutely wrong, dangerously wrong, dangerously wrong. So put your answer on the screen. I like to see how you're doing. I like to see how you're doing. Okay, so we are going to reveal, reveal the correct answer. And that is going to be Number one, that is going to be number one, holds an open sterile package six inches above the field to drop the item into the sterile field. Did you get that one right? Okay, good job. Some of you picked number four. Only thing wrong with number four is that you have to remember that the sterile packaging is going to be dirty. Okay, and so you can have a sterile package, but the outside of that package will be dirty if you are handling it or if it comes from somewhere else. So you don't put the sterile gloves on until after you open up the sterile package. Okay. Let's do the next question here. The nurse understands the correct in infectious precautions for clients with hepatitis A when observing what action? Okay, so what action is correct for patients with hepatitis A? Number one, wears a mask, gown, and gloves when taking the client's vital signs. Two, wears gown and gloves when changing the client's underpads. Three, wears a cap and gloves during perineal care. Or four, wears gloves and gown when conversing with the client. Ah, there's two things you have to know here. Well, three things. You have to know what hepatitis A is, what is the correct precautions for it, 
And then what are the correct precautions for that precaution that you think it is? So this is a multi-layer question. I love it. Definitely clinical judgment. Definitely clinical judgment here. So what are we talking about? What are we feeling like here? What are we feeling like here is going to be right. So the correct answer is we're talking about hepatitis A. Hepatitis A, yes, you're right. You're right, you guys. Hepatitis A, for those of you who thought, and I see it in the comments, hepatitis A requires contact transmission-based precautions. So wearing a gown and glove is going to be important, especially changing the underpads of the client. Hepatitis A virus can be present in fecal matter for up to two weeks, all right, and after symptoms appear. And it can live in the body for up to several months, all right, um, outside of the body, I'm sorry, up, outside of the body for seven months. So how gross can the underpads be? And sometimes you, you see patients, I mean, you see nurses or nurses' aides, and they're changing a bed, and they don't put on gloves, and they're just pulling out the pads and they're taking off the sheets and just rolling them up in their hands, no gown, no nothing, rolling them up against their bodies. And then they put them in the laundry bin. That's so gross, guys. That's so gross. Because remember, hepatitis A can get on your skin, right? Can get underneath your nails. Put on the gloves. It only takes a second. Only takes a second. Okay. Um, question number three. The nurse understands that the infection precautions for clients with a history of chronic hepatitis C is which of the following? Okay, we're talking about hepatitis C. So it's chronic. Are we going to use number one, droplet? Number two, airborne? Number three, contact? Number four, standard? Mm, this is a great question. Great question. All, all of it is, all of it is totally content. This is just content based. You either know it or you don't know it. You don't, can't really guess this one because you have to know about hepatitis C and you have to know how hepatitis C is spread. Okay. Okay. The correct answer here is going to be, I like it. Good job, guys. Correct answer here is going to be standard precautions. Standard precautions protect, that's number four, all right? We're using standard precautions because hepatitis C is transmitted primarily through the blood, all right? And we should be protecting ourselves from everybody's blood, right? It's the same thing like AIDS or HIV. If a patient comes in and they have HIV, um, my precautions for that patient is standard because I'm protecting myself from everybody's body fluid. It's universal. I don't care who you are. I'm protecting myself from your blood at all times. This person just happens to have HIV. But if they didn't have HIV, I still would be wearing gloves. All right. Question number four is this. The nurse is taking care um, of a client who is in reverse isolation, which statement by the client is correct regarding infection precautions? Reverse isolation. So which statement by the client is correct? Number one, 
My visitor should stay three feet away from me. Two, my boyfriend will bring flowers for me to help me feel better. Three, my relatives would like to visit. My relatives who would like to visit me is welcome anytime. Four, my visitors should wash their hands before entering my room. Okay, what is correct regarding this particular isolation? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a subject that is extremely important. And I think it's great for us to start our Monday out reviewing this because it's a huge portion of the NCLEX RN and PN test plan. All right. If you know, you know. If you don't, review it. That's all to it. And so for the um, for the nurse that's caring for a patient in reverse isolation, your client understands if they say, my visitors should wash their hands before entering the room. Okay, it's number four. All other choices are going to be incorrect. So because remember, the client in reverse isolation is sick. They, they cannot take on the germs of other people. Their immune system is already compromised. So hand hygiene is of the utmost importance for people entering that room or caring for the client because the client's ability to ward off an infection is reduced. It is reduced. Okay, we're going to try this. We're going to see if we can get a 50-50 share goal. So that means if you share this video right now, if we get 50 shares of this video, I will do a bonus question. I'm going to give you guys some time. It's going to take a second, and I'm going to do some general announcements while you guys share the video so you don't miss anything. 50 shares, 50 likes even. All right, we, don't, we only have just a few likes of this video and it's a huge important topic. Okay, next generation, everybody is talking to me about it, asking me, hey, Regina, can you help our instructors? Can you help me? Can you help our school? Um, so I will be doing a next generation NCLEX review. I am doing it for free. You guys know how I get down. I'm doing this in next generation NCLEX review for free because number one, you need to know it if you're taking next generation NCLEX. Now, even if you're not taking next generation NCLEX and you just want to come to one of my classes and learn with the students, or if you are an actual nursing educator and you don't know uh, about the next generation NCLEX or you are not implementing um, clinical elements into your lectures, then come to this class because I'm going to show you guys um, and educators wise how I will be conducting my learning sessions moving forward. Okay. Um, and so this is an important class for not only students, but educators, because if we don't get a handle on preparing our students for the clinical aspects. And that's the thing. The thing about next generation NCLEX that is going to be challenging are the clinical elements that didn't used to be on the exam that are now going to be on the exam. So my goal for Remar nurses is to make sure we have the advantage. All right. And my knowledge is going to be the advantage if I can share it with you. If I can 
share with you how to look at the clinical portions of NCLEX in a way that makes sense with the clinical judgment measurement model, then you are going to kill this exam. You're going to pass it. It's going to be like, what was all the fuss about? Because all we had to do is X, Y, and Z. That's what I want. So I'm doing the classes. Um, so it's going to be in Los Angeles, September 12th, which is literally just a few days away. I got to get myself to the West Coast. And we only have 120 slots. Now, word on the street is that this class is already full. Tell me how that's possible. I just announced I just announced it just a few days ago. So we we are possibly looking at a new venue to hold more people in um, in L.A. because the class booked up. So what I'm saying is this this for those of you guys who are just signing up, but you're not coming, then um, please don't do that. If you're it, because this class is I'm not streaming it. So don't sign up for the L.A. class if you're not going to be there because it'll take away from somebody else being able to take the course. So I really just want the people that are coming to sign up for it. Okay. But if you go to the website, remarnurse.com forward slash live, you will be able to vote for your city for the next place that I will go to. All right. So from Los Angeles, uh, the next week I will be in Hawaii. I'm going to bring the first ever next generation NCLEX review to Honolulu. That's just where I'm flying in. So um, there are 250 slots available for that class. And if you sign up for it, the website is there, remarnurse.com slash live. You will be able to secure your seat in Honolulu. All right. I will be posting my next, I will be posting my next reviews um, on, on my lives where I'm going next. Definitely have some cities in mind, some countries in mind that I need to get to. But we are we're we're launching our next generation um, reviews earlier. Okay, I got to vote for Maryland. Okay, <laughs> I hear you. I see you. Maryland's not too far. Maryland's not too far. Okay, but um, if you want to sign up for LA or if you want to sign up for Honolulu, go to remarnurse.com forward slash live. I will be doing those classes. And again. My focus strictly will be on next generation NCLEX. So if you want to know more about it, get to those classes. All right. Thank you guys so much for participating in the, the entire live. Here's the bonus question. But before that, I'm, gonna, um, I'm going to let you hear from a Remar nurse. This is what she has to say. It's, a, it's phenomenal. Hi, everyone. My name is Josephine Sigmi. I am an international nurse, and I'm proud to say that I am a Remar nurse. First, I want to say thank you, Lord God Almighty, and second, to Miss Regina Kayan. You are awesome and truly a godsend. When I watch those nurses who pass their NCLEX and give you their testimonies, I told myself that one day I too will give my own. And here I am. To tell you honestly, I failed NCLEX four times. Yes, four times. I was so depressed. Uh, I was losing hope and even questioned myself. Is this really for me? But uh, God didn't want me to quit. He gave me the answer. When I came across 
free more um, live free sessions on Facebook. I can't explain why, but I feel like God is telling me that Remar will help me pass my NPLEX. First, I just purchased just the quick facts. Yes, just the quick facts. I enjoyed uh, studying the quick facts and fell in love with, it, uh, with the contents. But I was hungry for more knowledge. So later on, I purchased the virtual trainer. I followed the six-week program and uh, during study breaks, I also watch those uh, free study sessions on YouTube. Um, what I like about Dreamers is that they are not only giving you good content, but also uh, motivating you to believe in yourself that you can, you will, you must pass and pass. So, after uh, failing four times, Dreamer helped me build my confidence again. With those knowledge they shared, I decided to take the NPLEX one more time. And during the exam, I was like answering those questions from Dreamer uh, practice exams. Yes, just like that. So after two days, I checked uh, the results online and I passed. I uh, immediately messaged Miss Regina to tell her that I am grateful and passed my NCLEX. I am so blessed I took the chance to invest on quick facts and virtual trainer. So worth it. Yes, I tell you, so worth it. Remar is the best. If I can, you can too. You will and you must pass and flex. All right, I loved that testimonial. And here are the kinds of content questions that help you get that success. Here we go. All right, um, number one, the healthcare provider diagnosed the client with generalized infection. Okay, which assessment findings should the nurse expect? Number one, hypotension and bradycardia. Two, swelling and pain at the site. Three, nausea and vomiting. Four, hyperthermia and widespread muscle aches. Ah, this one is a critical thinking question. The healthcare provider diagnosed the client with generalized infection. Which assessment findings should the nurse expect? Woo, this is good. Amazing. Okay. I am loving. You guys are just going for it. You're like, you're just going for it. I want you to read the question, though. I feel like some of you guys are just answering based off of um, mm, the, oh. I can't say, okay, I'm saying too much. Let me reveal the answer to you guys. I see you putting it on the screen. The correct answer is number four, okay? And the reason why it's number four is because we're talking not just about infection, like some of these, um, some of you guys who picked two, 
swelling and pain at the site. Yet those are in, those are yeah those are local infection. Okay, generalized means that it is going to incur throughout the entire body, or a whole body is um, the whole body is involved. Okay, so symptoms that we're going to see of an infection are going to be muscle aches, fever, headache. Okay, does that make sense? We're we're just like the entire body is not feeling well. These are the signs of a generalized infection. Patient may feel malaise, anorexia, elevated white blood cell counts, hypotension, tachycardia, and mental confusion. So critical thinking there, but critical thinking based on the reading, the reading, because you got a clue there, generalized infection. So um, that is how you have to use the stem of the question to help you to help you get rid of some of the distractors. It was a great study session. This may be something you may have to save and review again. Maybe you need to listen to this um, later on while you're cleaning, on your way to work. Make sure you favorite or save this video um, and also like this video so other people can see. I wanna transition into my motivation for this week because that's also a big part of what we do here on Mondays. My Monday motivation is essentially this. You are not alone. And this is something that many people, I don't care what age you are, um, you may have very well experienced being alone. And if you have, just put me, like I've experienced this before. Um, I, as, as a mother, um, as a mother, I am seeing my children experience new feelings and emotions. So when you think about being alone, have you seen this in yourself or in others? And this is so funny because I have a five-year-old, my son, you guys know my son, he's five years old. His name is Michael. And he, um, he doesn't realize he's alone until what part of the day? What do you guys think? Is it daytime or is it nighttime? <laughs> think about Think about a five-year-old. Think about what we learn about their um, the developmental stages and the developmental milestones. My son Michael doesn't realize he's alone. Is it in the morning when he wakes up, or is it when the nighttime when he has to go to bed? Never, never, never hear about him being lonely during the day. Never hear about it. But as soon as I say, "Okay, it's bedtime." He's but mommy, but mommy, I'm so afraid, right? He has this imagination where um, things scare him at night. And so I sent him to bed. He came back downstairs and he said, mommy, he always has a reason. Mommy, we forgot to read a book. Mommy, I forgot to tell you I love you. So he came downstairs and he's like, mommy, I want you to read me a Bible story. And I'm like, um, oh, Michael, I don't really, I'm tired. I was trying to do something. He was like, I need to hear a Bible story about being courageous and being brave. And we, we had been doing that every night because when he senses he's alone, we read a Bible story about somebody being brave. So it's either David and Goliath, um, it's, um, David and Goliath, it is, uh, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, or it's this one, which is another one that he will get me to read, or he'll read to me, or we'll read all three, but here's the one that I wanted to put a, 
up for you guys about being alone. Daniel in the lion's den. And so this is for somebody. This is for somebody who may feel alone this week. This is what happened to Daniel. There was a new king. His name was Darius, and he was the king of Babylon, which was a, a very, uh, it was a worldwide power, huge, and ruled the entire planet Babylon. Um, and so Darius picked 120 of the very best people in his kingdom to help rule him. One of these men was Daniel. He was um, God's chosen one. He was super wise. Um, so he picked 120 people, and then he picked three people to be in charge of the 120. And so um, Daniel was one of the three men. King Darius loved Daniel. Daniel, he respected and loved him so much that he actually thought about making him ruler over the whole kingdom. And how was the people, the other men feeling about this favoritism of Daniel? Well, the other leaders were jealous of him. They were jealous of him. And let me tell you, let me just stop right there. You guys, some of you have favorite, some of you have the favor of men. No matter where you go, you are liked. People respect you. Uh, people trust you. Even in my own life, I've experienced this where God just has his hand on your life that he gives you favor. God doesn't always bless you with money. Sometimes he can bless you with wisdom. Sometimes he can bless you with good health. Sometimes he can um, bless you with favor among people in among environments. And so you will find that people can be jealous of the ministry and the calling that God has placed on you. And it don't have nothing to do with what you do to them or what you don't do to them. You could be sweet as pie to some people and they will just not you do. So as I read the story, let's think about what Daniel experiences in his life, but also don't find it strange if you don't have a lot of friends. Don't find it strange if you don't have a ton of women clapping you up every time you have a new achievement or when you pass your NCLEX. A lot of people won't be happy for you like they think. But anyways, let me get back to the story. Okay. So anyways, they were they were jealous of Daniel, so they planned to find fault in him to get him in trouble with the king. But no matter how they tried, these leaders couldn't find anything bad about Daniel. However, what they did know is that nothing on earth would stop Daniel from worshiping the God of Israel. So they proposed the law to King Darius. Now, this is all in the Bible. They proposed the law to King Darius that everyone should pray only to him because they knew that they could always catch Daniel praying, doing what he was supposed to do. OK, and sometimes that's us. We we do what we are supposed to do. And so people can only use your religion against you. Let don't get me started. All right. So anyways, um, <laughs> and so they told King Darius People don't, people only should be praying to you and anybody who is not praying to you should be thrown into the lion's den because being thrown into the lion's den was a sure death. It was a sure death. Okay. So without knowing about the situation of Daniel, the king, he trusted the leaders and he approved the law. And this is where it gets good. 
Now, even though Daniel heard about the law, he still prayed to God in his room. The other leaders told the king about what Daniel was doing. And the king, though he loved Darius, uh, the king, though he loved Daniel, King Darius had no choice but to arrest Daniel for the law had to be obeyed. The king tried hard to change the law, but he couldn't. Daniel was sentenced to death and was thrown to the hungry lions. He was all alone down there. My son loves this story. He loves this story. <laughs> King Darius couldn't sleep that night. And as the morning came, he rushed to the pit where Daniel was thrown. When he called for him, Daniel replied, O king, my God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me. Oh, I wish I had my son up here right now. I want I wish Michael, if you if you hear and you hear me, Michael, you watching mommy come up to the studio right now. <laughs> and also, this is the best part. Oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. The king was delighted in order to lift Daniel from the pit. With this, the king knew that he had to punish those who tricked him and commanded to throw them into the lion's den themselves. See, my grandmother used to say, when you dig a hole for somebody else, you fall in it. And I'm saying to somebody out there, you may be lonely. You may feel like you are doing this on your own. You may feel like that you don't have a friend and the friends that you have are really plotting against you. That's somebody's testimony. And it may not be your friend. It may be the, it may be your spouse. It may be your family member who is plotting against you. I don't know. Uh, but this story is a reminder that the stuff that happened in the Bible is real. These were real people experiencing real things. How do I know these are real things? Because they happen to us every day. They happen to us every day. And so when everyone is against you, remember God is still with you. And, and have faith in God because he will protect you from any danger. The dangers that people imagine against you, God will protect you from them. He is faithful to you. He has always been faithful to you. Right now, you can't think of a time God has let you down because you are still here and you are given the gift of another day. All right. And so what the devil uses for evil, God turns that thing around for good. I mean, he does it every day. His mercies are new every day. So I love this story of Daniel and the lion's den. Um, it, it is constantly used. Hey, there's my boy. Come on in. So come on, Michael, come here. So I told them, this is my son, Michael. Michael, I told them about our story that we read last night, Daniel and the lion's den. And so what do we do after we read about Daniel and how he tells the king that he was saved. What song do we sing? And he shut up the lion's mouth. And he shut up the lion's mouth. And he shut up the lion, shut up the lion, shut up the lion's mouth. Shut it up. He shut up the lion's mouth. And so shut it up. You want to do it again? Yes. He shut it up. He shut up the lion's mouth. All right. So I was telling them that 
even at night when we're scared, we can think about the Bible stories and we can be strong because God has not given us the what? Um, the fear. The spirit of fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear. So you are the Remar Nurses Monday Motivation. Tell them to be strong and be courageous. Be strong and, and don't be scared. Yes, be strong and don't be scared. All right, guys. So we are going to go back because he has school. I have to homeschool him. So we got some school, but we just wanted to come on and say, happy Monday. You can, you will, and you must pass in class. Yes. Bye-bye, guys.